Okay, the podcast set up downtown. We got motion. What's the idea? People, the conversations open. The Andrews group, the firm. Yeah, we here now. Let's talk about great ideas. Have a sit down. Welcome to the podcast. The idea people. Hello and welcome to the Idea People at Lee Andrews Group. Lee Andrews Group is an award-winning communications firm located in the vibrant heart of downtown Los Angeles. Each and every episode, we hope to feature industry newsmakers, trends, and an assortment of ideas that might get you thinking. Hello, everybody. I'm Rick Garcia. I am so excited about today's uh, guest. Mary Hayashi is an award-winning author and champion of healthcare and equality, She began her career in public advocacy for women's health and later served six years as California State Assembly member, covering cities like Alameda, Oakland, Pleasanton, Fremont, Hayward, and Berkeley. Mary is releasing her latest book, Women in Politics, which you'll be able to find on October 25th. Mary, thank you so much for being here on the Idea People at Lee Andrews Group. So kind of you to come in. What inspired you to write this book, Women in Politics? Thank you, Rick. It's so great to be here. And um, it's great to sit with such a legend who really has, you you. know, done incredible work in Southern California and um, just your contribution to the journalism and and the field of journalism and what you've done is incredible. So I'm really um, I'm really honored to be part of it. And thank you for the kind introduction. I know that, um, you know, you guys also work with my good friend, Daryl Steinberg, who championed mental health. And he really is one of the people that mentored me um, to get into politics because I got into mental health and women's health advocacy work because I lost my older sister to suicide when she was 17. And my family just really didn't know how to deal with it. And so when I got older, after I you know, finished school, I really wanted to make a difference um, in mental health advocacy and just awareness and, and, and letting people know that, that it's okay to seek help. It's okay to say that it's, you know, you have a problem. And Daryl, you know, serving as the state legislator at the time when I met him, um, he's the one who sort of opened my eyes. And I thought, well, I could really do what he's doing and I could really make a difference for a lot of people out there. Um, this is my second book and and it's, um, it includes uh about 18 women leaders in politics, um, and I interviewed them, and, and I also reviewed about 80 literature out there that that exists around women in politics and campaigns and gov- women in government. Um, and so it, it's it's been an incredible two years. This project has sort of now come together, and I'm really excited about it. At the same time, um, I was just really um, struck by how women, and I, and I was a woman legislator, but how women are just so different in terms of how we see uh, change, how we want to affect change, how we, um, why we serve in government and why we want to run for office. I mean, it really sort of confirmed all the studies out there, but it really taught me, the women who I interviewed really taught me um, that, that we really need to get more women elected 
Um, so that's that's what the book is about, and, and I'm really excited to talk to you about it today. What do you think uh, kept women initially from entering the field? Was it family? Uh, was it, uh, that, that sounds a little too boring to me, to this point now where we have a lot of women who are in such important places now in our government? So, you know, we don't have the 50 parity yet. You know, we don't have the political parity in, in the United States, but... Um, Studies have shown that when women run for office, they win, you know, at about the same rate as men. The problem is the entry, getting women to run for, for public office. Um, and, you know, there are many barriers and factors, um, of course. Um, but in my book, I try to break them down to sort of three, um, three different groups. Um, ambition gap, meaning that we don't really get encouraged or when women are interested in politics or lead, you know, becoming leaders, that people don't really um, uh, you know, see us as leaders or, or think that we should run. Um, a lot of women get discouraged from running for office, um, whereas men, they're encouraged. Um, men um, often self-nominate, whereas women um, have to be asked to run. Um, the second barrier that I try to talk about is the qualification gap. There's this really great um, study um, that showed that men would apply for a job even if he doesn't meet the qualification of, you know, all the required um, background of a position. If they met 50, 60 percent, they would apply for that job, whereas women would not apply unless she met 100 percent of that qualifications. And same thing here with with uh, politics, um, you know, women feel that they're not qualified when they are. Um, finally, what I like to call a likability double standard. And, you know, women are expected to be likable. We have to be likable and we have to be qualified to run for people to, to think that we're credible candidates. Donald Trump did not have to, I mean, he didn't have to be liked um, or qualified, but Hillary Clinton, um, she wasn't like, she was often said, you know, very cold, not likable, but she was extremely qualified. Um, for women, you know, we kind of have to have that sort of likability uh, factor as well. So those, and then those, those st double standards are real and it does have an impact on women's ability to, to run and win. So those are some of the issues that I try to talk about. And, um, and you know there there are ways to get around them, and there there you know, and we we do we have come a long way, you know. But think about this. I mean, since women started voting, um, like in California, for example, um, in 1911, we've only had 192 women who served in the state legislature, and this is out of 4497. 4,497 legislators have served in the state of California, and only 192 of them have been women. So we got a long way to go, even though it may seem like, oh, wow, there's a lot of women in office now, you know? Mary Hayashi is a former California Assembly member and author of the new book, Women in Politics. Um, you uh, cite some very notable women in your book, including Los Angeles Mayor Karen Bass, and uh, several other influential leaders. What what drew you to those people 
and why? Why did you did you pick them out to to, to be a feature in your book? Um, well, so this was very uh, a difficult process because um, you know it, this is not a scientific study, obviously, but. A lot of the women included in the book are people that I have worked with in the past. So, um, you know, I have, you know, senator, Senate leader out of Florida and um, former Senate president out of Minnesota. I have, you know, legislators from Nevada, Washington, Oregon and other places. But um, there are women that that I've watched over the years and have worked with over the years who have been just incredibly inspired by because even though the book talks a lot about their struggles and how they overcome them, ultimately it's you know it's a collection of inspiring stories of political leadership. Um, and so one of the women who um, that I interviewed out of Central Valley, um, Connie Perez, she ran for Congress. Um, she dropped out, and I met her during her congressional race. Um, and she's currently uh, uh, the national one of the national vice presidents for United Farm Workers. And she talked about how she grew, she and her family grew up in a labor camp, and both of her parents worked, you know, in the fields. And she, um, you know, and and she's. You know, she's like, I'm, I'm a CPA, I accomplished, I, you know, I'm an accountant, that's all, you know, I really wanted to be that, have that kind of professional position. Um, but she says she always felt like something was missing and just really thought about those people living in those labor camps and so decided to pursue politics. And, and those are the kinds of stories that I try to look for. Um, and Senator from Florida, Lauren Book, my gosh, she's going to be the president someday because, you know, at age 35, she became not only state senator from Florida, but she became the caucus leader. And um, she disclosed, you know, she, this was she was very public about this, but, you know, she was abused by her nanny for years. Um, and. You know, when she finally disclosed this to her dad, you know, her dad really mentored her and just helped her not only get over that, but run for office and become a leader. And so, you know, every everyone who runs for office, obviously, is very special. But I think the women in my book um, have truly demonstrated um you know, just the resilience and and the struggles and, 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 and showed that people can overcome them and still be very successful. And not all women have won in my book. You know, some have not won. Um, and, and they move on because, you know, the point is that it's not just, there isn't just like a one magic moment. It's a continuous sort of progress that we need to to make and it's it's like that for for everybody you know in, who's interviewed in the book you know i mentioned uh la mayor karen bass because she she was a member of congress as well and i i would think you know at some point you might say all right that's 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 a lot of work and then she winds up in a city that needs a lot of work she got to roll up her sleeves again is it the challenge do you think mary that you know that keeps people going and 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 not wanting to just say okay i've, I've had enough already because it's a lot of work people don't realize the work that's put into being a, a political leader she's she's a special person and and a dear friend um but i think you're right every everyone who i interviewed and the studies actually back this up 
women run for office for this very sort of personal reason, and they want to they want to fix something and they want to bring solutions to problem. And that that was consistent, not only in the interviews, but all the studies out there that talk about reasons for running. You know, and I'm not saying men don't have, you know, good reasons, but remember what Bill Clinton said about his reason. Like he met JFK, you know, when he went to White House for the first time or something like that and shook his you know, hand with the president and said, oh, I want that job someday, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I think men ha- sort of have different reasons and they're taught to seek leadership and power and it's normal for them. And, and s- similarly, like in business, men tend to start their own business because you know, they want the independence, you know, they want, they want to make more money or they, you know, they seek more of a leadership role. Whereas when women start their own business, it's because they want to be flexible and be available for their kids and their, and their family. And so we are sort of trained to think collectively and think about what is good for the collective. And I, and I think you, you see that with a lot of women, especially with Karen. Uh, You know, I think, (laughs) I think about my own wife who, uh, if she would have wanted to pursue uh, a career in politics, she would have been smart enough and great enough to do it. I think her fear would have been leaving me at home with the kids. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you have to have a support system, right? If you're going to try to juggle, you know, being a mother, you know, being a being in politics. I mean, you know, th- that's that's a lot of work. Um, you have to have a husband or or a partner at home who's willing to, to, you know, to clean the dishes and to, you know, change the diapers and do some of that hard work at home. Right. Um, I don't know if you recall, but Barbara Boxer used to tell the story. Um, and of course, she's, you know, much older than us. But, you know, when she was running uh, for her first race, um, she went to like, the Sierra Club interview, I think. And um, a woman raised her hand and said, if you are here with us, like who's making dinner and doing the dishes at home, you know? And um, and you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised because I was recently asked by a woman at a, at a, a training. It was a, like a women candidate training conference. Um, one of the participants asked um you know, can I run for office if I have small children? So this is something that I think, you know, mother. I have a chapter on motherhood, um, pol- the politics of motherhood, and this 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 is a discussion that's still going on. Um, but look at our, you know, vice president. I mean, her husband, the second gentleman, he seems so comfortable in that role, and he seems to enjoy it. And when you think about like Sarah Palin, um, and when she was the vice presidential candidate, her husband was mocked pe- by people. And people, you know, I mean, people were very cruel to him, you know, like you stay home with the kids and you're not a real man. I mean, there was just a very mean comments thrown at him. And but then, you know, decade later, we have you know, a, a female vice president wh- whose spouse just seems to be very happy. Just the way that women can't be what we can't see, men can't be what they can't see. And so I think it's important to have a role model like that. You know, I, I just, I really love that couple. So, 
I think that's a great expression, by the way. Mary Hayashi is the author of the new uh, the new book, Women in Politics. She's joining us on the idea, people. Um, let, let's talk about it's it's not just gender, but culture too. You came uh, from Korea, I think, at the age of twelve. So you were a, a young a young person who who uh, all of a sudden comes to the new world. When did politics enter the equation for you? At what point did you say, "Oh, this I have to do this"? Um. So it was really, you know, when I when I met Daryl Steinberg, you know, when I moved to Sacramento um, uh, to to marry, you know, my husband. Then we weren't married, but you know, he he got a job working um, in Sacramento. So I moved there, and I met Daryl through you know colleagues and the way he advocated for mental health issues and the things that he got, he was able to achieve really inspired me. And so I, I would have to say that was the moment. And um, one of my first legislations that I authored was creating Office of Suicide Prevention for the state. So to be able to do things like that as a legislator was just incredibly, you know, just inspiring. Um, but when... When I first came here, we, you know, we we grew up in Orange County, so, <laughs> and not at that time anyway. Not that many Asian families uh, lived there, and people used to call me Connie because they only knew Connie Chung, um, and I was I was flattered by it, <laughs> you know, because she just seemed really, you know, competent, attractive, and just amazing on television, and. Um, but so, yeah, we, we, you know, we grew up in Orange County and I, um, you know, I come from a family where my parents really valued education for the boys, but not so much for the girls. You know, they thought we should get married, like before you turn like 20 and, you know, and start having children. And that was sort of their concept of success for girls. Um, I mean, that's almost a barrier in and of itself, right? Family, parents, uh, you know, what door do they open for their kids? Right. And, and when I started working in various nonprofit organizations, working with other women's health leaders, and, you know, I, I did, I was like, I really want to go to college because all my friends are going to college. And I remember when I was, um, uh, like this is my second year at Cal State Long Beach, I signed up for a, a class. It was a women's studies, women's literature class. And I thought, oh, maybe this is like a class that teaches you to be like a better, like female, you know, like a mom. And so I took the class. I really didn't know what it was. Um, and I would have to say that, that was kind of a turning point for me as a young person, reading about feminist Gloria Steinem and, you know, literature like Jane Eyre. And I thought, wow, like women can have a job or, or you know, we could do something. And um, so, you know, I think that was that was a great class because <laughs> that I never look back. You know, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to move up north. I'm going to finish college and. I want a career. Um, and it's it sort of, you know, and I got lucky because everything sort of led to Sacramento and met Daryl and, and ran for office. But, um, you know, as a politician, too, like just things like we got to be able to raise money, like fundraising is so important. And my parents always taught me you don't ask money from strangers. 
And, and that's all politics. And right? it's like, like when I when yeah. I said I was run, like they were like, oh, you have to start making these cold calls. And I was like, well, I have to call these people. And they're like, yeah, you have to call them and ask for money. And I said, money. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So you know, it didn't come natural to me, obviously. <laughs> Now, in your book, you mention uh, when you go through the barriers that, that have been faced, you give names to them. For example, uh, you talk about the imagination barrier. What is that? Yes. Uh, Amanda Hunter from the Barbara Lee Family Foundation, um, they they did some focus groups and, with voters and asked them to imagine um, what the president of the United States looked like. And they imagine a white male. So that's the name that's given. We cannot imagine what we could be, you know, and, and that's a real barrier. And, um, and it goes the same way. You know, sometimes voters, you know, all, I mean, all of us have, you know, bias and they don't see women as leaders because leaders have been traditionally men, white men. Um, so that's what that name's from. The, uh, the future of women in politics and, uh, both in California and nationally, do you think we're in a good place? Do you think, I, I know you mentioned we have a little ways to go, but what makes you optimistic? The young people. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I didn't get to interview her, but I talked about, um, Congresswoman, um, Stefanik, she's a Republican, um, young, uh, just superstar out of New York. And, you know, she started a, a recruitment organization for Republican women. Um, and, you know, some of her colleagues, you know, male colleagues discouraged her from doing it. Um, and she just took them on and did it anyway. And so, I, I you know, I just love that example because... There's so much of that. And even, I mean, I ran, what, 15 years ago? I mean, it, so much has changed since. You know, the, the, look at the Me Too movement. And I think that women have really, um, you know, created something that is so valuable for the next generation, for the next generation, to be able to, to, to just not question, you know, Am I qualified? Can I run for office? You know, and so I, I think that, that ba ba you know, future generation and younger women are changing the history. Like, I mean, they're doing it right now. Mary Hayashi, former California Assembly member and author of the new book, Women in Politics, joining us on the idea people. Um, so I had a question in here uh, that I wanted to ask you. It goes back to the personal stuff a little bit and about your husband, uh, who's a judge. And we took it out. And then you, and then you were telling me this great story about your husband. Uh, now he's a judge. This is, I mean, this is a cool gig, right? But you, you talked about he's got this amazing hobby. Can you tell us about that? Yes. Um, well, before that, he's amazing because he's a Gemini. Um. <laughs> I'm a Le I'm a Leo. Does that say anything for me, Sherrod? Oh, what are you? I'm a Leo. Yeah. Oh, you Leo, are. Leo's is that are good the or best. bad? Are we? Yes. I tell that to my wife all the time. Yes. Yeah. Yes. She rolls her eyes, but okay. <laughs> um, but um, he's just, you know, he's just so laid back and just so confident. Um, and, you know, when I, when I first met him, he, he was a nonprofit civil rights lawyer um, and has had 
amazing career. Tell us his name. Dennis Hayashi. Dennis Hayashi, if people want to. Um, a, a role model. I mean, just truly somebody who's done amazing things for people. So it, it's really great that he's in this role because we want, we want our judges to have that kind of public interest advocacy background. But he's been, um, he's, he's a little bit older than I am. And um, he's not sensitive about that or anything because <laughs> we're going to find looks, out. We'll find out. I mean, he ages. looks like my age, oh, and he yeah. acts even younger. So he's <laughs> he's been collecting records mm-hmm. since he was like ten years old. Okay, um, and he loves the Beatles. And um, right now, I would say he's got about thirty thousand albums. Like, thirty. Vinyl, vinyl, right. vinyl yes. my gosh. Yeah. Just in one of, I mean, we have like three car garage situation, and one of them is dedicated to his boxes, like his access that we cannot store inside. <laughs> and um, there are several hundreds of them. Just, oh, my God. Yeah, so I don't even know if I have the accurate count, but we're going to have to buy a bigger house soon <laughs> because— <laughs> For all the albums. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, I said, I said to him, I said, you know, have you heard of streaming? <laughs> And he said, "That's you know." He, I mean, he considers himself like a music critic. So, what? Well, well, first of all, tell me the genre A and B. Please tell me he does play them on the record player. He does for you, young people, a record player. Yes, <laughs> something he you, does. You put the disc on this little turntable, and it spins around in a needle. Play. So he does play them. Okay, he does good for him. every night. Yeah. What's his favorite oh. genre? What you mentioned Beatles, so he likes rock and roll. We so know when people ask him, you know, people come over. You know, to you know, to do some repair or something inside the house. They often ask me, "Oh, are you guys like in a music industry, or do you work for you know?" I was like, "No, it's my husband's collection." Um, and they'll say, "Well, what's his favorite, or what does he like?" His answer is always the same. He likes everything. Everything. And he okay. collects everything, like international, rap. I mean, everything. Mm-hmm. That's a, I, I love that story. Um, in the foreword of your book, uh, Women in Politics, we find the phrase breaking down the barriers to achieve true representation. What is true representation? That is someday when we don't have to say, oh, let's elect more women, and we're just voting based on qualifications. Mm-hmm. Or first First woman vice president, first Correct. fill in the blank. Now yeah. it's just, let's just vote for the best person on the ballot. I think that would, I think to me that's true representation. And the book has, I think, demonstrated, documented, well-documented, that women bring a lot to the table. You know, we are better as society because women are seeking these leadership positions and working hard to represent them. So, Yes. I love that. And you know what else I love? I love uh, hearing people in general. I mean, you, you've made it very clear that um, the women who've influenced your lives, but there have also been men who've influenced your lives. And, and and I think that's important that people hear that, especially men. It's easy for, you know, somebody to get defensive when the feeling is, oh, we're picking on, you know, men in, in this case, but you're, which you're not. And, and the fact that uh, I, I heard one of the, I think it was a former U.S. women's national team coach and uh, and again, because my daughters play soccer and they're very good at it, it's important to them. They're watching, you know, this women's team compete and fighting for equal rights, and they're seeing all these amazing things. Uh, their coach just resigned, and the the last coach they had was a woman. And she her first comment was, 
I don't think we go and find the best woman for the job. We go and find the best coach for the job. And it, there's, a, there's a good chance it, it's going to be a woman, right? So, you know, making the point, we, you don't have to, you know, push us into these positions. We're going to earn it. We're gonna, yes. We can do this. We don't necessarily need your help. We just need you to look at us differently. See, Rick, you're a Leo. That's why you're so what? cool like this. Um, <laughs> so there's a chapter in my book. <laughs> well, we have some bad qualities, I'm told. I don't know, but go ahead. Well, just a stubborn. little. Stubborn? Not Are you stubborn lot. like me? Well, I, I, that's not the worst one. But anyway, we'll get to that later. <laughs> um, I have a chapter dedicated to mentoring and because that is the best way to ch- close the gender gap. Um, and for that chapter, I interviewed Daryl, a man. So many of the women I interviewed had a male mentor, Fiona Ma. I mean, she credits John Burton. Um, you know, and so that is the reality. It takes everyone. And there's another study that, um, that we're mentioning here. It's called Messenger Matters. When men talk about gender bias, when you deliver that message to another man, they're more likely to listen to you. And so, yes, we, we have to work together. And men mentoring women is, is reality. It's happening everywhere. And um, almost all women in my book have had a, a very strong male mentor helping them succeed. I was, uh, I think about my wife and, and she's smaller than me. I'm six foot two and I look at her and I, and I always say to myself, I haven't told her this, but I said, I always, I always love how she looks up at me. I wonder if she knows how much I, I look up to her. You know, it's, uh, and you know, that's one of our differences. We're, we're physically different people. It doesn't make one more stronger or one more courageous uh, than the other. And so, um, uh, I hope you had a good time here. I mean, I know yes. we, you know, I, I wanted to break bread with you, but I, I don't like to eat before I conduct an interview. And you were great, and I hope you enjoyed this. Well, this was great. Um, I, I need to cut down on my answers because I really <laughs> wanted this to be more of a of a dialogue. But you know, I this just have so dialogue. much. Sharad, to how long say. have we gone so far? Thirty-three minutes. That's a that's a short okay. that's a short podcast. Okay. Mary. Okay. Good. Is there okay. something we left out that you no, want to no, please it was look great. at your notes? Tell me if we. No, these. Th- this is funny because I was actually looking at. Um, this is just the, something that I was just reading on the plane, and I just had it in front of me. So this was perfect. Listen, I hope uh, – and I, uh, send me a picture of, of Dennis's all-time – your husband Dennis's all-time favorite album. I would love to see that label and what that looks like. Um, you can only choose one. He can't yes. pick, He can't say 10,000 of the 30,000. Well, we met Paul McCartney. <gasps> so – I mean, like the original. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> did he sign an album or anything? Of course. Oh my goodness, that of must have course. been your husband died and went to heaven on that. Of on that course, oh yes, it was fun. Well, listen, thank you for your time and allowing us to learn about your journey and the challenges that uh, women face in the world of politics. Mary's book, Women in Politics, will be available to the public on October twenty fifth. You can follow Mary Hayashi on Facebook at Mary Hayashi CA, yes. California, mm-hmm. on both X formerly known as Twitter. I wonder when we can stop saying formerly known as Twitter, uh, as well as uh, Instagram and LinkedIn, uh, if you'd like to get some more information. For more information about uh, Leandrew's group and the idea people, you can uh, check out leandrewsgroup.com and you'll find this podcast on Apple Music, Spotify, and all of those lovely places where you can find 
uh, um, your favorite podcast. Mary Hayashi, thank you so much for being on the idea. Thank you, Rick. Okay, the podcast set up downtown. We got motion. What's the idea? People, the conversation's open. The Andrews Group, the firm. Yeah, we here now. Let's talk about great ideas. Have a sit We on a mission. You get the idea, people. Glad you pulled up. How you doing? Nice to meet you.